Welcome to episode 171 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. If you've been following along from home, you'll likely know that I moved last spring. My new place is just eight miles from where I used to live, but the recentering of my map definitely took several months. Over six months later, and I'm finally oriented enough to the area to remember to look at adjoining towns when considering where to go out to eat or to go shopping. When I first moved to a place, I have a little checklist of things I need to get done. You know, like uh, change my address at motor vehicles. That was pretty high on the list because I know it also meant I would be registered to vote at my new address thanks to our state's motor voter law. One thing I neglected to do was update my address with our renter's insurance company. With the move came a lot more space, which we easily filled with free or discounted furniture through a mix of Facebook Marketplace and Facebook Buy Nothing groups. The thought of having to replace everything at once, though, if there was ever a major issue like a a fire or flood, it's daunting. But that's why having insurance is so important. I finally remembered to update my address this week when I got my renewal notice. It was an important opportunity, though, because I got to update my coverage since we have more to lose now, meaning more we'd have to replace. I don't buy insurance hoping to use it. Quite the opposite. But it's there should I need it. It's insurance. This is also how I think about my professional network. I don't build relationships hoping to extract something. The focus isn't transactional, it's relational. As my career and business goals have shifted and changed, my professional network has as well. If the worst case scenario happened and I had to stop working for a few years and then start all over again, I know I'd have the support I need to get back on my feet. Do you have that kind of insurance? Your challenge for this week It's important to reflect on your insurance coverage and be sure it covers all of your current needs. Likewise, take stock of your current professional network and consider the direction you'd like to be heading in your career or business. There may be gaps that you can thoughtfully and strategically fill with some focused effort over the next year or two. Don't wait until you're in great need to establish or reestablish these connections. Get insured now. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest has over 30 years of experience public speaking, yet used to be the shyest kid in her class. She is the CEO of Ace Public Speaking, which is an online experiential platform for training and communication, presentation, and public speaking skills, both for adults and kids. She's a multi-talents professional who consults with companies and organizations to help them generate revenue through business development and marketing. She also owns a couture fine jewelry company, and her jewelry has been worn by royalty and celebrities and is sold in luxury stores like Neiman Marcus. Prior to this, she worked at IBM, KPG, and Cartier. Philanthropically, she's been involved with organizations such as UN Women, The Resolution Project, and is currently on the Executive Committee of the Gender Equality Foundation. Please join me in welcoming Jyoti Singhvi. Hi, Robbie. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. Oh, Joji, thank you so much for joining me from your office in New York. Um, as, uh, as you know, this is a show about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, 
How would you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? So leadership, the definition of leadership kind of changes all through life. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, and even right now in the world, leadership is usually defined as, uh, you know, leading a team of people or a group of people in your community at your work. But my current definition of leadership is this, uh, having a vision for a certain type of scenario and being able to mobilize yourself as well as people around you or and or people around you to actually achieve that goal. And communication and relationship building, mind you, they're very, very important in leadership skills or in leadership, um, exercising a leadership. Leadership also I want to highlight doesn't have to be the group. Yesterday I was speaking at a group um, at a Harvard class and somebody asked this, what if I am you know, guiding or leading one person who is my client or, you know, my mentee, is that leadership? I'm like, absolutely. Even things we do for ourselves is leadership. And we're going to go into examples like that. Um, you know, just personal leadership also. Absolutely. So at what point, uh, as you're thinking about, you know, obviously leadership is, is about taking action. Um, so for you, what, at what point in your life did you start to realize you maybe had some of those skills or maybe someone saw that in you. I mean, you, I said in the very beginning that you were a really shy kid and you've got this great story about how you sort of were literally kind of pushed to the front of the room uh, and, and found your voice in a really solid way in fourth grade. Uh, and up to that point, you know, you were, you were not a kid that anyone knew, knew was in the room. Um, but how did you go from that to at what point did you realize oh, I could continue to step up and have leadership. I mean, I know you, you got to lead in a play while you're in school and you, like, did you ever run for office? Did you get to the point where you were like organizing your friends? Did you start selling jewelry to your friends? Like, <laughs> what, what are all the little things that were happening in grade school and high school, that kind of time period? Uh, you know, great, great connection to the story from my past. Uh, absolutely. Just to summarize, you're right. I was the shyest, quietest child in my classroom, never said anything, never raised my hand, never answered a question unless I was really forced to do so. And in fourth grade, we moved uh, schools and everything was new around me. The class was bigger, new teachers. And what happens to a shy child? The shy child goes back into a bigger shell, a stronger shell. You don't want to come out of there. So one fine day, my principal made the rounds and she was auditioning for the school play. And she was, okay, hear you, hear you. You know, she was uh, picking out kids to audition. And I knew there's no way I would ever be asked to audition. So I was merrily reading through my book and she called my name, Jyoti. I'm like, what? I just heard my name. And then she said, Jyoti, I'm like, there's got to be another Jyoti because it couldn't possibly be me. You know, I do not speak. Why is she asking me to audition? Was Yes, you don't look around everywhere. You're the only Jyoti in class. And can you please come up and audition for you? Like, no way, Jose. No, I don't do this. I was a nervous wreck. I, I mean, can you imagine the kid who doesn't even answer anything in class is asked to audition in front of 65 people and the teacher and the principal. Oh my gosh, sweaty palms and heart just started pounding. I realized for the first time I had heart. <laughs> it pounded so hard. I go up there and we're supposed to read the dialogues. The only thing I remember saying to myself is, whatever you do, just say it loud and clear. That's exactly what I did. I got the part. 
Thank God, thank my stars. It wasn't the lead role, not a very important role. It was, you know, some fourth, fifth, you know, person in the play. So I got the part. When I was on stage, I realized it's not that bad. It's not that difficult, as difficult I had thought. I mean, I was just kind of trying to build up on this fear for no reason, right? Um, in fifth grade, I got a lead role. I don't know how that happened. Perhaps I must have done some other speaking engagements, not engagements, but you know, speaking in class after that. So once they see you on stage speaking and you know, performing, you kind of get more and more opportunity, and then. You, you kind of start coming out of your shell and that, oh, conquering your fears. So, okay, there's a speech competition. Okay, I'll do it. Or Jyoti, would you like to do it? Or there's a singing competition. Oh, by the way, the singing competition was a huge, which is kind of, it was a huge success. I'll tell you why. Uh, there were only three of us and it was an inter-school competition and um, we got second and I'm not a singer at all. We got second place. Guess what? There were only two contestants. So we were actually <laughs> last place. But hey, my claim to fame, we were second place. But little by little, those things kind of build up and they boost your confidence. And I think that's really important for any person or any child, you know, to take baby steps. Um, and then, yes, you're right. I did run for office. Um, early on, we would just be picked because you're in fifth grade or you are in sixth grade. You get to be the class leader, you know, prefect, etc. And then, um, you know, later on in higher grades, then you run for office for a school. Um, and in college also, there were, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities when I organized or formed a new club. When I was at MIT, I actually uh, was a co-founder and co-president of the Retail and Luxury Goods Club. Um, so it was somewhere maybe in middle school, I realized that I have some capability to be a leader. I don't know what it was, or maybe naturally I was pushed into it, and then you kind of just have to live it up. Um, so so, so that, that's my childhood journey. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's pretty incredible, and I have a feeling people listening will relate. Um, one of the one of the episodes people always talk about is is someone who was very shy and introverted and is a very successful businesswoman. And I know that um, you know it's it's like when you see someone today uh, who's very poised and charismatic and very confident, you think, well, like they must have always been like that. <laughs> I could never do that. And so knowing the journey that you've been on, just to get just in that sort of piece around your own self confidence your own sort of ability to step up. And it sounds like not just step up because other people kept tapping you, which clearly in the beginning, you were sort of being lured into these op opportunities, but that as you got into college, you were starting to seek and even create your own opportunities. Again, you mentioned founding this club at MIT, you know, and taking like this, you, I know your family is a, I think your seventh generation jeweler, if I recall. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you have this long history of, of being part of that world. And you brought it to this campus. Um, so it sounds like there's a moment where you're like a crystallized. Did you go into corporate America knowing that you would be looking for like leadership opportunities? You, you know, I mentioned the intro, you had IBM, KPG, uh, KPMG. These are two huge, enormous um, global companies. Or did you think, I just want to do my job, do my job really well and be like a little tiny cog in a big, vast machine? Like, when you went in, like, did you have a sense of what you wanted out of that experience? Yes, I think uh, that's a great question and nobody's ever asked that. So you're very good at what you do, clearly, Robbie. Uh, 
going in, you know, we all want to perform well, right? Um, we want to be in a leadership role. Many times you don't think that, you know, you think that you kind of have to grow up, grow into the role. Uh, and a lot of times leadership roles could be, you know, becoming a director, VP, and that that's when you're just an associate, you know, you're 21 years old in, in your first job. Uh, but for one example, I remember from KPMG Consulting, but I, you know, kind of, Taking your question and um, and giving another side to it, leadership doesn't have to be just positional, or it doesn't have to be related to uh, um, a title, right? It it could be what you bring to the environment or the organization to make it better. That's what leadership is. So at KPMG Consulting, um, we were all traveling consultants. You know, we were all hired, but you kind of go onto the client side. And we never really saw the other people. And it's a huge organization with hundreds of thousands of people. And um, there was so much knowledge that kind of got lost in translation because I may have worked on this e-commerce project, but somebody else could utilize that knowledge and I could use somebody else's knowledge or I would need a mentor or, or, or a mentee or, or, you know, like just collaboration, networking. The word networking kind of gets born here. So I created um, a global network forum for KPMG employees where back then, you know, social media and everything did not exist. We just had internal intranet platforms. I'm just trying to remember words because that was quite a uh, intranet, right? The intranet, the local, intra, uh, the company's intranet. And we would connect over that, but then we would also uh, meet in person so that we have a social uh, network also so that you start feeling comfortable and you feel like you are a community. So that, we called it the connectivity group. And it went really well because not only people started to feel more like they belonged and they also felt that there was more of a satisfaction because, you know, relationships really do that to you. When you have healthy relationships at work, they make that work a lot more desirable and happy and you, you want to be there. So the longevity of people increases at work. Productivity increases also because you are now mitigating risks or you're learning from each other. Um, their best practices being shared and those were also shared um, you know, uh, uh, digitally, but then we, there was a social aspect where we met in person also. So the, I actually got an award for that. Um, now that we're thinking about it, it used to be on my resume and then gradually you need more space on your resume and those things kind of go, to, go away. So you just reminded me of that. So, so that is one small example of leadership, how I didn't have a title. I was a manager, a manager, you know, I'm not a VP or SVP or anything. I was pretty young still. Um, but you know how you can look around you and you just see what can I make better? I love this story. What a great example. And I also love that it's it's something that you did. Um, it's no longer the thing you're like, you know, walking into a room and talking about, but it, I feel like it's a great illustration of both who you are and how you show up in the world. That even when you uh, didn't have the, you know, title of a VP who was in charge of, you know, creating the culture, you were like, well, I'm part of the culture, so I'm co-creating the culture, and I'm feeling like I don't feel connected, and I wish that I understood best practices. Um, it's really interesting because my wife just joined a, a, an organization where she's working remotely for the first time, and she's having a lot of those same moments of, gee, I'm, I'm creating this tool or resource, and others should be able to use this, 
you know, I'm creating a slide deck for something that someone else is going to need. And someone else knows the answer to something that I'm working on. And so she just created a resource for people to all share their, their sort of slides, you know, their templates, et cetera, et cetera, and just sort of bring people together. Um, now we have all these social media, uh, different tools that we didn't have back in the day. But, you know, like you said, like those are, those are all elements of leadership, even when you don't have the title. It's about seeing how you can make it a little bit better. And I think that's a great takeaway. It's like, look around you and see like what you're struggling with and think, well, maybe other people are having the same problem. And I love what you said about how relationships matter in a workplace. I mean, this has been proven through studies that having good relationships do absolutely impact everything from the bottom line to like productivity and how people's longevity. So, you know, kudos that this is no longer the accolade that you need to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I love that you have this story to share. And, you know, as you morphed into your own business, like as it was no longer you clocking in to someone else's big, I mean, you worked these enormous companies and you were like, okay, I'm ready to branch out. Now you've actually done this in a number of different ways because you have, you have, you are multifaceted um, and multi-talented. So um, what was the challenge as you thought, okay, I have all this experience and I'm ready to now go and bring it to the world. I know the value I have to share, but I want to do it under my own label. I want to like build my own brand around it. So was, was there any sort of challenge along the way as you made that shift? The challenges abound. <laughs> Where do I even begin? Um, and, and I'm glad you're asking about the challenges because when I interview, uh, you know, like you're interviewing, we always hear about people's success stories and they're inspiring, but then people kind of seem so far up. So the more we talk about challenges, the more we uh, know that, you know, it's never a straight line or easy journey for anybody, right? So what success only comes after surmounting all those hurdles. Oh my gosh, challenges are every every single day, you know, getting, you know, your name out, the branding, the marketing, the product, uh, customer acquisition, maintenance, um, you know, employee retention, uh, you know, it's everything. So um, I'm sure you're looking for a story of, well, I actually have a question then. So you just listed a lot of really like things that are always there. But was some of this about mindset or was some of it also about like tactically, you know, okay, I'm going to use a, a stereotype here. You're clearly artistic and very creative. Were numbers not your thing then, you know, or was it that you have big picture ideas, but you don't love details? Like, was it something like that? Or was it, oh my gosh, now I'm in charge and I've got to deal with the employee retention. And like, I just want to go and be creative and build things. And like, the business side's kind of annoying. I mean, that, like, those are all different aspects of a challenge. Like, what was it for you as you were getting started? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, so numbers were okay because I mean, num- numbers in are fine. They're not the, like rocket science in business. You know, it's re- relatively simple math. Um, I am a creator, like you said. So when I was focused on the jewelry business or when I was starting it out, it was kind of like when you're designing and creating, designing is a different hat to wear than production, than marketing and uh, business development. And it's a completely different, you just have to become a different person and you have to be in a different mindset, like you said. Uh, So that was constantly changing and you had to time management and allocation of the right amount of time 
is important. Uh, that mindset shift yesterday, also somebody asked me, what, were you not afraid when you were launching your own businesses? Yes, everybody's afraid. But then you're usually you launch them because you're more excited than afraid. Um, and you see the potential, but sometimes the fear becomes much bigger or, you know, you know, there might be a bigger downfall and then you still have to pick yourself up and go. And what do you do? You just kind of have to keep you, everybody says it, right. But I want to not say the, the uh, common lingo that keep your eye on the prize. It's not just that because that's still not easy. You can still remember, but you have to really believe the benefit you're going to bring to the world. How is it that your product, whether it's digital product or your physical product, how is it going to change lives? So when um, I launched my fine jewelry company, there are a million jewelers out there, right? Beautiful pieces. Nobody needs another jeweler. But what I wanted to bring to the world is being able to celebrate people's lives. I was, I des- I was, from what I know, was a very first storytelling jewelry designer. I wasn't designing jewelry because I'm inspired by the flowers and the sun and the moon and all those and waterfalls or rainbows. I'm designing because there is part of somebody's story that I want to celebrate. Nobody's writing, you know, creating TV shows about us. Nobody's writing books about us. Some of us happen to be authors, but you know, a lot of us, we have amazing stories. A lot of, I mean, you have an amazing story, but our stories don't get celebrated. I want them to hold on to something that they can actually feel very proud of. They can feel that this is my story in actually a symbolic and a, and a physical form. And I can pass it on from generation to generation. Let's say the woman made a necklace but we could replicate the necklace and make it for her three kids eventually or the 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 engagement ring is made to celebrate the story of the couple um a couple of people have copied my concept now but oh well (laughs) (laughs) well that's Uh, the that's probably means you're being successful and i think what you're what i'm also hearing here is that within a large market you had to find a niche you had to find a unique selling proposition and storytelling is an art form that you felt really comfortable with. And uh, similarly, I, I felt, it feels like it, it seems so disparate, but your ability to tell stories through through jewelry and that art form seems really to relate then to your ability to help others tell their story through public speaking. And I know that's like an area that you're beginning to focus more and more on, that you created some courses around this. Um, and so... I, what I love about it, though, is that you're not just doing it with professionals. Um, you also have a piece in here about working with kids. And as a parent, I'm intrigued because I remember my mother teaching me quite a few lessons. Even to this day, I told her I had a talk. I actually just got chosen to do a TEDx. And um, when this airs, it'll be like five days from from when this airs, I'll be on stage. Um, Congratulations. So, thank That's you. Huge. And my mother said, now remember... Speak slowly and clear. I'm like, mom, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like the same advice she gave me when I was in fourth grade. Um, but I never found a good um, support around that at a young age. Like I've never gotten any kind of training. Um, you know, my school didn't even have a debate team, which is surprising because I went to an enormous school. But, you know, the fact that you're keeping this as an opportunity for kids, what led to that for you? How did you decide, you know, shy eight or nine-year-olds like me deserve to have the opportunity to shine. Let me help them. Is it, is it really based on your own personal history or was there more to the story? Yes. So um, yes, there's a part of the personal history. 
so, so um, as you mentioned, I've been speaking for decades, and when you uh, are done with a keynote or uh, you know a panel or you know a- any kind of convers- you know conversational public speaking, you work hard at it, and then people will come up and they want to talk to you, and they said, "Great, great job, etc." I could never do it, and you know I've heard that enough times, and I've also seen that being played out in the work front, where the person he's he's a VP, SVP, he's brilliant at his financial stuff anything that he does on the markets or or on on wall street or she's a brilliant doctor or he's a brilliant marketer or they're really great technologists but when it comes to sharing what they have produced or uh or um you know sharing their ideas and thoughts with the team or the board or the executives or with the client they're nervous. We all are nervous, by the way, but they, they hold on to that nervousness so much that it's holding them back. I feel that it really stops people's progress to a certain degree. I don't want to say stop, but it kind of hinders your progress. It slows it down. So I heard that a lot. And, you know, a lot of childhood memories kind of get sto- stowed away. You don't always remember everything. And someday, I, I don't know when it happened, but the light bulb went went in my head and I realized, you know what, people are talking and they're saying that, okay, you did a good job, but we can never do this. Dude, I was not a speaker. I was so shy, so uh so nervous, so not confident, so quiet. What what was my journey like? Oh, okay. So I was remembering the whole thing. Well, if me as a eight-year-old, nine-year-old can come out of that shell and start speaking, I know I can help these people. I really know. And then I started working on a curriculum. I started working with a smaller group and within a set of, you know, eight to 10 classes, you know, there was a huge improvement, whether you were a child or you were a professional, because I knew what are the things that work well, speaking slowly and articulating. I mean, enunciating, enunciate is a big one that I say is, is really big, you know, just energy. You know, even if you don't have expression, expressions are important, but even if you come in with high energy, that just does the job. Of course, you need to know your content. So I said, oh, so I, so I wanted to pr- bring it to the professionals, but then you're like, hmm, by the time they're professionals, they're like 25, 35, 45, 55 years old. That's great. I can help them. But why wait so long? Why have somebody suffer all through their school life and through their work life to get to that stage to learn it? And kids learn a lot of skills faster, right? Uh, my kids would learn swimming faster than I would learn it. So that's when I started. Let's start early um, and, and um, you know, give people the toolkit that they can take with them for the rest of their life. This is kind of like swimming. Once you've kind of learned it or biking, you don't forget it, right? It's inbuilt in you. So I'm actually, Robbie, I have to fe- say that I feel so good. I mean, I think this is one of my callings. Um, a lot of times we're all struggling to figure out where, what is it I'm meant to do? I think helping people and teaching them and becoming, helping them become that better self of themselves, but better representation. You use the word illustration. I like that a lot, a better illustration of themselves through words and through body language, because communication is not just words. It's also body language. I love it. And it just gives me so much satisfaction. And, um, and I'm just so thankful to the universe and God giving me that opportunity. Well, giving it to you and also you creating it. You know, I think um, I have a a free masterclass on um, how to discover your ideal client. 
and I said discover, not find, because I feel like they're already around you. They're already the people that are asking you for advice, support, uh, services, but you just may either not be charging them at all or charging them for like a nominal thing. And there's so much more you can be doing to support people if you really turned your attention to them and thought, well, here's this thing I feel really confident in doing. And well, kind of, how did I get to this point? Oh, how I could help people. I mean, your journey is a great, um, is a good illustration, use the word, for other people who are trying to figure out, well, you know, how can I find my passion and get paid to do it? It's like, you know, sometimes it is just a matter of looking around and seeing, well, what am I always being asked about or always hearing from people? Oh, you are great. I could never do that. Like you're like, I've heard that now hundreds of times. Perhaps that's not true. Let's see. Let's see if that's not true and then test it. You know, that's, that's the next step of it. As you were doing that and you were getting underway, I imagine that you were tapping into your professional network to kind of get that off the ground because you have had so many different experiences. I mean, in the last you know, 15 years, you've worked so many different places and in many different industries too, which is always interesting to kind of mix and mingle those kinds of personalities. Um, how do you, like in, before you needed something from somebody, how were how you sustaining or nurturing those connections? Like not your closest ties, but like that second and third layer out, the people that you know, you used to work with or you only kind of keep up with online so that they were ready to like help you when you needed the support. Like, were you already nurturing and connecting or are you doing that more now that you have this business? Absolutely. Great question. And um, from one relationship builder to another, um, you know, we have probably a lot of common things to share here. You know, we're, I'm an outgoing person. I love people. I love connecting with people. So um, in some ways, it's very natural. But I don't want to say natural because there's a lot of effort that also goes into it. And if I say that it's natural or it's inherent or it's something I love or I'm passionate about, um, you know, a lot of people who may feel that they're a little bit um, introverted may think, oh, well, they can do it, but I can't. But you know what? We all need a lot of effort and commitment to those relationships, whatever that relationship is. And, you know, my public speaking programs will eventually culminate into relationship programs also, because who are we speaking to? We're speaking to people. And why are we speaking to build those relationships? Um, so the, the concept of networking, uh, I hadn't thought it was new to me. It was introduced when I was at MIT. And um, that's when, you know, it was told to us that you should connect with alumni or companies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then I said, okay, let me give this a shot. I reached out to the CEO of Tiffany and company as, I don't know, as like a young 20 year old. And he was so kind. He actually invited me to meet me in his office and he advised me on career decisions because I'm moving from technology to luxury goods. He spoke with me for about an hour, hour and a half. Woohoo! You know, Tiffany, uh, CEO, Mr. Kowalski, like, you know, you don't get to meet him. Similarly, um, I, um, you know, I started building these relationships. Um, I met with the CEO of Cartier and we were having a great conversation. And then, you know, it's, it is also right, right place, right time and luck plays into it. And, you know, it has to be the right fit. And he said, what do you think about working here? I said, oh, okay, sure. Why not? Um, so, so those are some smaller stories, uh, but how do I maintain my relationships? 
I like to stay in touch with people. So it's a conscious effort. Um, uh, I will wish people on their birthdays because now because of Facebook and LinkedIn, it's easier to, it, it just pops up and I will wish them. If there is um, somebody I would re- need to reach out to and I have not connected with them, I will just remind them, you know, it was great to work with you at such and such or be in school with you at, you know, wherever, um, uh, and um, I would love to catch up with you. Sometimes I just do catch ups because I want to catch up. Um, or I would really love your advice because you're doing amazing things in this area, let's say education technology or consumer goods or whatever else. And I am working on a project like this and I think your experience or your advice would be really helpful. So I've done that with people who are within my first circle. And then you reach out to people who are not in your circle either. Uh, sometimes, well, a lot of times. Um, and, you know, LinkedIn is great. And if there is a connection there, I will say this is what I'm working on, you know, and, and it has to be genuine. I couldn't possibly not be genuine. And But, you know, I really like the work you've done, very impressive background. And would you mind, you know, sharing some advice? Um, it would probably take five to 10 minutes of your time. I'll be very respectful. And, you know, 50% of the time they do respond. Um, I did speak to the CEO of Blue Nile. I did not know him. Brian Chesky's office, um, Airbnb. I don't know if Brian responded or, you know, his assistant responded, um, Airbnb CEO and founder. Um, so, so that was fantastic. You don't have to always reach out to those hype, you know, all those people because, you know, it's a shorter conversation and you can probably not build that mentorship many times. So you also have to find people who are closer to you in your life stage or in your career stage. And they also say, uh, you, you want to talk to people who are just one or two steps ahead of you if you want some kind of advice, because they remember the, the trials and tribulations and they can have very specific feedback for you. Um, in terms of systems, I have like try to work around my systems. I don't want, I don't know if you want me to go into systems, but those are a well, little actually, tricky. Let, let's hold off for one second. I wanted to kind of recap because you just shared so many good things and I don't want the listeners to miss some of that. Um, you know, first of all, you, you, <laughs> you are taking a lot of initiative. Um, it sounds like even at 20 years old, you were taking a lot of initiative and you know, th- what is the worst thing that will happen if you write to the CEO? They don't write back. You know, and what's the best thing? They invite you for an hour and a half to come to their office and give you career advice. Like, so I think why not do that? If there are influencers in your field, everyone listening, go and figure out how to get on their stage um, by showing up in their world. And then I was curious about the LinkedIn piece because LinkedIn is a great tool for connecting with people that you've worked with in the past or that you have people in common. I don't know everyone on my own LinkedIn. Um, it could be people who've seen me speak um, or read my book, and I, I accept most requests. So it's always interesting to me to try to discern the difference between a genuine, like you said, effort where someone's like, I actually do like your podcast and I do like your book, and here's why I think we should have a chat, versus the kind of spammy stuff that is becoming more and more and more prevalent. So what is it you're doing to make sure that you're not getting swept into that category of people who are just sort of like mass marketing or mass pitching? Um, is it that you're, you're taking the time to actually know what they're about <laughs> um, and not sending the same canned message? Like, 
Like it, it feels like there's something more that you're doing. So you're in 50% honestly is an amazing response rate. You know, maybe it's 30%. I, I don't 30% is an amazing response rate. <laughs> I think 3% is the average for these kind of like mass produced things. So what are you doing to make your message be received in the way you're intending, which is a genuine outreach? Okay, um, great question. Um, first of all, yeah, it's not a mass outreach at all. It's really one-on-one. Dear Robbie, you know, I I stumbled upon or I, I saw your profile and it's really great. You and I both work in, you know, relationship building circles. And I am so, I, I heard a few of your podcasts. They are so intriguing. I also read your blog and I really love the blog about um, how to find the right customer. And it really enlightened me because I'm in this phase of, you know, building. Already I'm sold and I want to hit reply. Like just that. Honestly, like I, I, I'm so appreciative that you broke it down because in some ways it's so simple, but I think a lot of people get this wrong. Um, as a podcast host, I get pitched by a lot of people to be on my show and they almost always say, I love your show. Uh, I don't believe them because <laughs> if they did, they could make a little more effort and talk about an episode that they listened to that they really enjoyed and not the last two, like, you know, maybe one from a little while ago and what they liked about it. They could leave a five-star review, like, so that I know they're actually paying attention. I mean, mm-hmm. there's little things to like, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm someone they're trying to reach as an influencer um, or in some ways as a media, then it's like you've got to do a little bit more than just send the same response that you, you know, message that you've sent out to like 20 other podcast hosts. And um, so I think what you're doing is great. And it, it sounds like you're sort of, you're finding your way into it and you found a good rhythm for it. But there is, you know, when you're thinking about this course that you want to build, <laughs> um, I'm trying I'm to teasing this out because I think you could really help people uh, figure out those nuances in a different way. Um, do you ever host your own gatherings? Um, do do you, are you like a convener? Is that some part of your sort of your, your brand or your, your like way of living your life? There was a time in my life I did that and I am just about to start hosting my own gatherings. But again, that, you know, when you haven't done something in a while or ever, for me, it's not having not done it in a while. There is a little bit of that, you know, block. The hurt, and and I'm trying to get over that. So uh, why do you ask? That's a great question. I love convening people. It's, I think, my superpower. Um, yeah, I, I actually met, a, I was talking to a local politician about a decade ago, and he told me that his superpower was the ability to convene people. Because when you're a politician, you call a meeting and people show up. And I was looking at him and I was like, huh. I have that superpower and I don't have to run for office every four years. So I'll just need to cultivate that. And um, I, that's, he recommended a book called Community, The Structure of Belonging um, by Peter Block, which I've mentioned, I'm sure, on this show before. And most recently, I uh, started reading The Art of Gathering, which is another phenomenal book on this topic. And I just think like I give a lot of thought to that. I, I, I think that when people are brought together in a thoughtful way, which it sounds like is kind of the way you're going to do it. Um, they have a really great experience and it's bigger than the people in the room. And what I love is that it's not like you have to actually do all the things. Like when you're, you know, I, I do a lot of like hosting a dinner when I'm at a major conference. It's like I was just at Inbound in September, which is an enormous 26,000 person event, global, you know, reach. 
And I organized two different dinners for speakers uh, that I knew and, and some friends that were attending. And, you know, this is my third year going. And so like every year I reduced, you know, first year, it was like four of us and it was six of us. And this year I had two groups of 10, <laughs> um, That's great. you know, and it's just like, I have a better experience knowing that these people are going to be part of that. And um, they're all grateful that I, I brought them together and did the work of reserving the restaurant and all that logistical stuff. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's just super powerful. And I, I really want to, um, I'm partly asking you cause I'm hoping you are doing it. And I want to encourage you to be doing it and be thinking about it. Um, so what, what is it you have in mind? What is it you're thinking about doing? So what I would like, actually, okay, I'll take that back. Yes, I'm doing a lot of that. And um, I'm doing workshops where I'm able to share with people a toolkit that they can bring home with them. And it's around communication, relationship building, mostly around communication and really you know, share their ideas in a more confident and articulate way. Yes, I, I am. I, you know, because they're all underway and one got postponed. So that's why I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, so one is coming up October 9th. Um, you know, there are things I'm doing with um, MIT groups. Um, I'm speaking at, uh, at um, lawyers and attorneys gathering soon also. Very so cool. yes, that's happening. Um, but maybe I will call you separately to, for your yeah. advice. Yes. Well, Jati, uh, one of my favorite questions is as a wrap-up question, which is um, when we're reconnecting a year from now, and, I, and because I, you're in New York, I know we're going to continue to run into each other because when I travel to New York to visit family, I host dinners or brunches because that's what you do when you travel. Um, that's what I do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, when we are connecting again and we're celebrating all of your successes from the previous year, what are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Wow. So, um, excellent question. You, you, you have this bag full of good questions. The public speaking program becoming what I would like for it to become. I'm not sharing any details of that, but, uh, um, that would be great. And the, you know, R- Robbie does his Ted talk and then Jyoti would have done a Ted talk like a couple of months later. That would be really nice. So yes, um, it's all around those communication, um, programs. That's fantastic. Well, I look forward to, to celebrating all that with you. Um, how can people find you and follow your work? Yes. So you can find me at, actually, you know, it's in the links, but um, the, I have a free gift for you. I have a free course where you can learn to speak with confidence anywhere, anytime. So the URL is really easy. It's tiny, www.tinyurl.com slash, that's forward slash, free course on confidence. Fantastic. And we're also going to have in the show notes links to your LinkedIn and your Twitter so people can find you there as well. And we'll have all those at the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jyoti. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share it resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 171. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as over 170 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. I'm currently in the midst of booking speaking engagements for next year, and my goal is 50 speaking engagements in 2020. So who do you know that would benefit from my experience? 
In particular, I help associations inspire lifelong membership by creating welcoming and inclusive first-timer experiences. Are you in an association? I'd love an introduction. I also really enjoy speaking at women's leadership conferences. My approach to relationship building really resonates with these audiences, so thanks for thinking of me if you happen to be working with one. If you enjoyed this episode of GOT, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and I look forward to connecting again next week or interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on the way to becoming a successful leader. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.